Well, with no further ado, I'm going to dive in. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Jocelyn Getson, Chief Growth Officer at Bindable. And this is actually our first episode of our, our new series that we are calling Unbind with Bindable. And during the series, we're going to be sitting down with our partners, industry leaders, and really tackling some of the topics facing digital insurance uh, today and, and trying to provide tangible examples of what's working and where companies are seeing success. I think there's some great conversations being had in LinkedIn and individually. And so this is an opportunity to bring that together um, and pull a great audience together to, uh, to hear firsthand some of the, the stories from the field. Um, I really can't think of two better guests to, to have with me. Um, and we do have a fantastic topic. Uh, topic today is strategic partnerships, the key to digital insurance ecosystems has a lot of buzzwords packed in there. Um, I do love a buzzword, uh, but I also like, you know, untack uh, like uncoupling those and looking at what is the breakdown of each of uh, those words and how are strategic partnerships really impacting and driving some of the opportunities uh, that we're seeing in this space today. Uh, and I do want to point out as well, just a little bit of housekeeping. There is at the bottom of the Zoom, a Q&A button. So you can uh, submit questions as they come in, uh, as you think of them and really good questions not only, uh, but no, but feel free to post any questions that you have and we will get to those either through the podcast or at the end. So let's go ahead and I'm gonna kick off by introducing our hosts, uh, I mean, our panelists and uh, first being Phil Walker. Phil is the CEO of IPTQ Americas by Swiss Re. Uh, IPTQ provides a cutting edge digital platform, data-driven products, and end-to-end omni-channel solutions. Uh, Phil is at the helm of the ship over there and is the former founder of two companies, has more than 25 years of experience transforming financial services businesses, including running the online marketing and operations for Capital One. So thank you so much, Phil, for joining us. Thanks, Joss. And we have Bill Sunnenson. Bill is our fearless leader over here at Bindable. He is the CEO and co-founder. Uh, Bindable is enabling digital distribution of insurance products. Uh, Bill also happens to be the co-founder of GradGuard. They're the leading insurance platform for colleges and universities. Um, and actually, Bill in general is one of the nation's foremost affinity marketing leaders and former president of PIMA, which is Professional Insurance Marketing Association. So definitely some great insights I know that he'll be sharing. Thanks, Bill, for, for joining. Thanks, Justin. I know I, I had to twist your arm on this one, but uh, I'm glad you're able to, to make it. And the reason I wanted both of you together is I think uh, if this past year has taught us anything, it's that there's a greater need than ever to really start thinking more progressively about it, digital insurance delivery, about the products themselves, and really with the ultimate goal of providing relevant and timely offers to potential insureds. So to actually create convenient and seamless customer experiences, there's there's a lot that needs to happen behind the scenes. And I'm talking to two fantastic tech companies, uh, but you really, sometimes it takes bringing together the best in class partnerships to, to get uh, projects across the finish line and, and make it feel seamless. Um, so obviously this is a topic that's top of mind for both of your organizations. And, and Bill, it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, and Phil, please weigh in. Uh, how, how'd the partnership come about? Um, well, thanks, Jocelyn, and, and uh, thanks for putting this together for, for, uh, for everyone. And uh, the name Unbind, I really like it, but uh, for, if any of our policyholders are on the line, it doesn't mean they can unbind their policyholders. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I was introduced to Phil, uh, I don't know, a little over a year ago, Phil, and um, 
we hit it off right away. Uh, you know, first and foremost, our our business strategies are really aligned. I mean, uh, Bill can tell you about their business, but they've built a, a very successful B two B two C platform uh, across the world, PNC in in, in uh, overseas, and a really successful life business here in the U.S. Um, and since we have a PNC platform that does a lot of the same things, it was a natural fit. Um, but probably more importantly, uh, just the first time I spoke to Phil and got to know Niels and the rest of his team, um, we knew there was a values connection uh, that, that's important to us. And, and I know it's important to Phil and the team. Um, you know, we, we both have really good teams. And, uh, uh, and you know, honestly, um, we're, you know, we all hire nice people. And that goes a long way uh, in, in our book. So uh, our values were certainly aligned. Our strategies were aligned. And, and we hit it off. And uh, here we are. So really pleased and a privilege to be working with Phil and the team. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, uh, uh, we were reflecting on this the other day. It, it, deciding to work together took, took a coffee. It took as long as it took for Bill and I to have a coffee. We, we talked about what we were trying to accomplish, what we wanted um, as from, you know, for consumers um, and for our partners. And it was just very, very clear um, that there was a partnership there, right? Um, and then the teams got together and they, they wholeheartedly agreed. So that was really good. Figuring out how to do it and, 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 and getting together to actually do it took a little bit longer, but still, um, you know, has gone really, really well. So I, I agree with everything Bill said. No, I think, I mean, and I think the word alignment's come up a few times and, yeah. and I think how you view the industry and, and, and the value you feel insurance brings. I know that that's really a passion point, having talked to both of you on the topic, um, you know, that there's that insurance is solving problems for people. And it's really, I think, helping uh, them in their time of need. And so it's about the distribution. We, we want to sell policies, but I know we also want to deliver on, on the promise. And, and Phil, that's something that you speak very passionately about, which is the promise of insurance. And in your opinion, like how, how far does that promise reach? What, what should the expectations of a consumer be? And, and what should we be focused on when we're looking at the products we bring to the table? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, for me, the, the, the emotional part of what we do is this idea that we are able to keep promises even when we don't know what they are, right? People make promises <laughs> to their families, to themselves, to their partners. Um, and, and, and some of the, those, those promises often have a financial component, right? They need to be able to have the money to do it. And so I really love that we're able to do that. But, um, but you can't really make that promise if then you fail in your first promise, which is to get people through the sales process efficiently and empathetically and warmly and completely. And so the second promise is that we will do that well, right? And so one of the great things about working with the Bindable team um, is, is that they have a passion for doing that extremely well. And so when we, when we were looking at whether to build some of the same capabilities, um, it just didn't make any sense, right? That, that we would go and build something um, that, that was exactly the same, right? And, uh, and so, uh, you know, we really look to Bill and the team um, to extend our promise, both to whom we can make the promise to, how broadly we can make the promise, and, and, and then keep the standard very high on executing against the promise. And it's interesting, uh, uh, Phil, you, you may or may not remember, but uh, when, when we first met, when you were introducing Gift2Q, you talked about what everyone on your team talks about, right? Is, which is, you know, meeting, you know, fulfilling that kind of protection gap, right? And that's, that's 
that's your mission. And, and that's really important. I think as InsureTech has taken off and you know, um, the number of people, especially young people that are getting into insurance now, uh, I, you know, we always say to our team, this is a, you know, yeah, it used to, insurance sometimes gets a bad rap, but this is a very purposeful business. I mean, this is, this is filling, you know, there are gaps in protection, right? And here in the U.S., massive gaps in life insurance and other types of coverage. Um, and we always say that, you know, our business is really about helping people at the worst moments of their lives. And that's a noble profession to be in. So we like to tell the team, even though you don't feel like you're doing it every day, because uh, you're working on technology doing, but at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is improve the methodology to, you know, help people in the worst moments of their lives. Hopefully we never have to, but it, things happen. And that's why we do this. So we've always approached this businesses with purpose and, um, and our interests are aligned the same way there. Yeah. And I think it's a high tide rises all ships approach to, to our industry, which is critical, which is, you know, sort of a joint collaboration of, of we're, we're in this for the, you know, to, to really improve the overall experience, certainly at time of claim. And I think it begins with that first interaction, um, you know, where the customer is finding out about insurance. I think companies and brands carriers, brokers, whoever has this access point to the customer, uh, they typically have a lot of data as well. And so taking that data uh, and, and using that to make a relevant offer is very critical. Um, and, and Phil, I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, when you're partnering with somebody, a brand, uh, for example, uh, and I know that IFTQ globally has a lot of fantastic partnerships as well as, as within the U.S. If there are examples that you think of uh, where it just starts to make sense to incorporate data into, into that offer um, and maybe even how brands are thinking about their, their insurance offers. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll just take a step back on that question for a minute. I think yeah. one of the really important things and one of the things that made our relationship so logical is that both companies are natively B2B to C. I yeah. mean, Swiss Re, our parent company, is a, is a B2B company. Um, we believe that our role is to, is to lift great brands and to, to support those great brands. We do not compete with those great brands. Um, and, and so um, one of the, the things that, that we come to the table with is a great deal of expertise in understanding what data is important, how to access data in a responsible way, how to work with partners, and then how to deliver at the standard that meets their brand expectations in order to be able to do that extremely well. We, that's why we have partnerships like Daimler, Ikea, um, yeah, and, and um, an expanding wave, not only in, in, in Europe, but in here in the United States and over in Asia as well. So um, that, is, that is the core of who we are. Um, at Swiss Re, one of the interesting things is that we have our very first client still, 150 wow. years later, right? And that's how important, that's the kind of relationships that we want to build over very, very long periods of time. So again, when you get back to this using data, um, I think that the most important data um, is, 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 is who the customer is and what their needs are. And some of that data exists inside organizations. Some of that data exists outside them. And one of the things that we do um, really, really well is that we are able to bring those two contexts together to get a better picture of, of, of the customer's life. And that allows us to make a, have a better conversation and make better decisions uh, uh, about how to reach out to them and how, how to help them with the conversation. So. I think it's That's, an absolutely huge topic, but managing it well is the key. 
No, it really is. And, and I think in, in general, we're seeing an evolution across the board, across all industries, how customers are engaging with, with brands, what they expect from them. And I think having, you know, it, it, to your point, like an Ikea who has this great relationship to be able to extend that brand affinity with products that are, you know, complementary to their home environment or that, that brand messaging, I think is, is really something that we're going to see, you know, that people continue and brands continue to capitalize on. And, and I think, you know, Bill, I know you have some interesting thoughts on this topic, but where do you think, and based on your experience and, and where, as you look ahead, like, where do you think insurance distribution uh, will evolve and change? Like, how do you think that's going to continue in the future? Well, I, uh, go ahead, Bill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess uh, first and foremost, I think, um, and I'll speak from a distribution perspective, um, it is the hard part. I mean, this is distribution is the hard part. Uh, you know, delightful user experience, that's table stakes. Um, uh, I think the, the nice thing about our mutual models, B2B2C models, is that we do, our values don't only, don't necessarily need to extend to the end customer, but the partners that serve that customer. Uh, so we have two clients in every transaction. Uh, and that, that, you know, we, we take that serious. I mean, it's a privilege to work with, we've been very fortunate to work with some great partners and we know that's a privilege and that's always been this, this sponsored distribution. I think, you know, um, gaining that distribution advantage is what matters and you're gonna see carriers and intermediaries, you know, look to get access to preferred channels, preferred channels to whoever their preferred customers are um, because the direct consumer models are expensive. They are very difficult, they're expensive. And I think carriers and intermediaries, and, and as they think about digital distribution, distribution in general, it's really about um, kind of thinking outside the way they, what, what are, where are the channels that their customers are? And for some right. that might be independent agents, for some that by, might be new entrants, digital FinTech apps, it might be adjacencies like mortgage companies and auto dealers. That's how we think about it. And I think more and more carriers and intermediaries are saying, hey, you know, it's really expensive to acquire customers. And they need to think about not only great technology to get them there, but the partnerships that help them uh, gain that advantage. I mean, I think that that it, it's really impressive. And, I, and you mentioned the carrier and it's it's something that I think about a lot is how, how do the carriers stay ahead? So we're a little bit, you know, both roles being that B2B to C, we're certainly closer, you know, to the business that's going to be distributing it. How should carriers be looking at this, this space and, and enabling, um, you know, our platforms to be able to integrate and sell? Uh, Phil, I know you were, you, Swiss Re as a whole is working very close to the carriers. So what do you think carriers need to be focused on um, themselves around the product and, and their distribution? Well, I think the uh, the entire industry for carriers leapt forward about a decade in about three months uh, last year. Right, so as we all went into lockdown, um, underwriting changed, the way distribution was managed, being managed changed, um, and and the basis of competition changed. And I think for for the very big brands, that was a net beneficial experience. I think that that um, their brands really came to the forefront. So the question then becomes, okay, so how do you add to that? Now that you're in a strong position as a brand, what else can you bring to the table? Um, and how do you ensure that you um, strike the right balance between you know, the, the always tough conversation of not invented here versus best in class, right? And, um, and I think that um, 
looking to, to companies like GIPTQ and, and then our partnership with Bindable to, to help round out a product suite uh, or to help lift a set of products into a more digital uh, you know, experience. Um, is 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 a great way to actually advance your, your agenda really quickly. But I would I would say to everybody in the industry, whatever pace of it, of change we grew up with, that's not the pace of change we're going to see going forward. Um, it's quite a bit faster, and and that's why you know forming partnerships like the one we formed with Bindable um, is only the beginning. Right, you're eventually going to see chains of companies that do things extremely well, innovating in this in this very very complex ecosystem. Yeah, I agree, Phil. The, this holistic view of the customer, um, we see it now. You see it with um, you know companies like Geico, right? They manufacture auto insurance, but they also sell a lot of other companies' products. Years ago, it was you know a, a carrier wouldn't think of selling another company's product, right? They would we either build it or we don't sell it. Uh, and now they say, well, you know, if I can uh, potentially monetize that customer, but more importantly, retain that customer by, by providing the products that are important to that particular customer. Um, we're seeing more and more carriers say, we, you know, we may not manufacture it, or maybe we'll manufacture it down the road, but we still want to offer it because we know our customers are looking and we don't want them to look at our competitors for it. No, I think that's a, it's a really good point. And I think that, you know, there's a lot, every company out there and certainly the attendees on, on the calls, you know, we're, we're looking at, everyone's looking to tackle this, this digital space and digital transformation. And it can be incredibly overwhelming because it starts to feel like, where, where does that even begin? I mean, it, it's, for some people it's improving their phone system or getting off of an AS400 and getting accessible data. So I know that there's a lot of silos within our space that are just, uh, you know, th that each company almost needs to break down to, to, to start to build back together. Um, is there any guidance or tips, Phil, that you're able to share sort of in this journey of, of you know, uh, bringing IPTQ to the U.S. and uh, the build versus buy or even just some learnings along the way when you're evaluating your, your partnerships um, that you're able to share with, with somebody else who's, who's maybe looking at where, where do I begin, you know, in this process? I think, yeah, I think it goes back to what Bill said at the beginning. Um, you have to look for alignment with your partners um, right from the get-go. If you don't have a philosophical alignment, if you don't have an alignment of interests, things are going to split off inevitably, right? Um, and so we've worked very hard to create that alignment. We didn't have to work very hard to create it with Bill and the team. Um, it was just there. Uh, but we really try to look for that. Um, the second thing is make a decision. Do you want to be a builder or an integrator? There's, there's advantages to being both, right? Um, the, probably the best place is, is where we uh, place ourselves, which is uh, as a combination of the two. There are certain things that we do extremely well and, and, and better, we think, than, than almost anybody else or anybody else in the industry, and we build those. Um, we invest quite heavily in them. Um, uh, there are other things that um, there are others who do just an incredible job. And, and, and integrating those other capabilities into our, into our ecosystem and into our value chain makes so much more sense. Um, and, and that's, Bindable is a good example of that, but there are many others as well. And, but, but I think that for executives, that's a def, that is a defining strategic decision. If you don't make the decision, you've made a decision, right? There's no getting around it. Um, so you either, you should think, we should all think about it very, very carefully, because if you go down the build path and the tight integration path, swapping out for different parts later when the, when the, when the ecosystem changes is not going to be a very easy thing to do. 
So yeah. within our ecosystem, yeah. one of the things brands get is that they get a really good answer now, but they also understand when they do the due diligence that actually it's going to be evergreen, right? There isn't a lot of technology debt here because each of the different components that we have within our system can be replaced by another component in the future. Yeah. I mean, consumers have spoken, right? And um, you know, they want, we know they want convenience. Uh, we, we believe they want choice, um, but they also want relevancy. And, and, you know, the convenience and relevancy don't necessarily need to come from an insurance brand. They can come from a brand that they trust maybe more than they entrust, trust that insurance brand. So uh, our mutual businesses, what we do is we try to identify and help those brands or those partners that serve customers that relevant offer at the right time, the right moment, in a convenient way, and, and in a trusted way. And, you know, where we've been, I've been in insurance a long time and I trust a lot of insurance companies, but not all consumers know the insurance companies the way we do. They know, they know their adjacencies or the incidental partners that might make it more convenient for them. So what we try to do uh, together with IPTQ and with our partners is to, is to actually help build that, help enable that. And that's really what we do. And I think that's, uh, and, and, and more, I mean, you can just look no further than just read any insurance um, uh, daily, right? Everyone's talking about embedded insurance and partnership insurance. It is, it matters. Uh, cons consumers are willing to buy insurance from a non-insurance brand as long as it's convenient and relevant. I think it's a it's a good point. You, and you say embedded insurance, and I know uh, Bill and I joke because you know I call I might say embedded, he'll say affinity, sponsored. There, there's about a hundred buzzwords uh, for for talking about you know that offer moment. And Bill, I'd love to see understand is there anything that you've seen even in the last year or two years that's been kind of pivotal in how insurance has been distributed? I know you know after decades of doing this through affinity groups and traditional models, what do you think is maybe one of the big changes that's happened in the last year or two that's really accelerating what we're seeing in the marketplace? I'd say it's, it's um, uh, I would say it's accelerated. Probably the biggest thing is the API economy, right? I mean, that, that's changed yeah. everything. It's not just in the last year, it's been going on for a while. It's just more, you know, the, the ease of the APIs and the, the availability of the APIs and the, the support teams to do them uh, have grown within organizations. So I think that's probably, uh, it's ultimately making sponsored distribution better and more convenient and all the things we talk about. Um, at the end of the day though, the, the, the value proposition of sponsored distribution remains the same, right? It's lower cost of acquisition, it's um, consumer value, right? Um, it's convenience and for carriers and intermediaries, it's generally higher value customers. So the, that hasn't changed, right? Um, from direct mail of medical malpractice to doctors to you know, integrated APIs uh, in, in purchasing any product, right? I mean, the, that, the, the value proposition remains the same, the technology is accel accelerated. I'd say the API economy really has, has um, you know, if, you don't, if you're not playing in that space, it's hard to grow your business through partnerships. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the other thing, Bill, that's changed is, um, is the channel of initiation and the channel of investigation. I think um, we've seen huge shifts in where journeys begin from uh, some of the more traditional channels that you talked about earlier on in terms of lead generation, mail, and so on and so forth, towards digital sources, and relatively few of them. And consequently, there's a been a, a big increase 
in lead cost, um, the cost of finding customers is going is go, is rising really quickly, and it's making this B two B two C proposition much more um, much more attractive relative to the other alternatives. And then also recognizing that investigation, right? Consumers are choosing to do a lot more of the investigation on their own because they can, and um, and and companies are, are benefiting from that. And as I said previously, the consequence of that is a big rise in in um, in, in the interest of working with third-party brands, and a big rise also in customers' interests in established insurance brands. Both of those things are happening simultaneously, and I think they are going to be transformative. Fantastic. And one of the things, and I'd love it if there's any remaining comments, because one of the things I did do was promise Phil that I would keep this, as you said, short. And I said, well, I think short, but I think we wanted to, we want this first episode to be a conversation, to be engaging and uh, to keep it concise and to the point. And I, and I really think that you, you both hit on some, some great points. And I think there's some really fantastic takeaways. I did weave in a couple of the audience questions there and I apologize if I didn't give credit to the audience. So it was great to see that engagement as well. But is there anything else that, um, that you wanted to add that I maybe didn't didn't ask about before I wrap up? No, no, I think I'll, I'll just yeah. say thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you for being our partners, Bill. Um, with the working relationship is absolutely first rate, and we really really enjoy it. Um, and you know, I look forward to uh, to working with you guys for many 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 years to come. Maybe 150 years. How about that? That's great. That's great. I'd like to be around 150. Uh, that's nice of you to say, Phil. Thank you. Uh, thanks to your team. Um, as I said at the beginning, um, nice people always work well together. Uh, and, uh, and, and both of our teams are nice people. Um, it's a privilege to partner with IPTQ. It's a privilege to uh, have this opportunity. And, and Jocelyn, thanks for doing this. This is great, great discussion and appreciate the, uh, uh, hopefully, you know, look forward to watching the, uh, the next, next episodes. Well, awesome. And I appreciate all the attendees who joined in and listened and, and registered. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. So uh, obviously, both companies, you can reach on LinkedIn, uh, both speakers, I know are very accessible as well. And feel free to follow up directly if there's any questions that, that you think of after the uh, the, this this podcast. So we're really, our goal is just to keep the dialogue going, encourage the conversation. And again, just, just look at how uh, our industry is changing and, and keeping everyone informed of that. So thank you everyone for joining Unbind with Bindable and we will see you next month. Thank you. And thank you both. Thank you. Thanks, Jocelyn. Thanks, Phil.